Acts 27. You know, for a nation affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, it really, it really doesn't matter how together our lives were before it struck, because people have discovered again how life is quite unstable, and you just never know when everything about your existence will suddenly, on one day, spin into some kind of a chaos. Every crisis reminds us that our world is not nearly as stable as we think it is or would like it to be. That's also true of marriage, your business, your job, and your family. Our world is becoming increasingly unstable, and as Jerry Lee Lewis, the great theologian, once said, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Yeah, you, you didn't know Jerry Lee Lewis was a great theologian. Okay. Now, when this happens, it doesn't matter how together you might be personally, because the chaos around you still affects you. What do you do when the world comes crashing down? Well, we're, we're in week two of a series I call Standing Your Ground in a Culture of Chaos. Lots of different kinds of chaos. And it's about finding strength in the midst of chaos. And that's a good way to describe the world we're living in right now. It's kind of chaotic everywhere. Uh, last week, we talked about how to deal with the chaos we create for ourselves. We don't even need the devil to help us. Sometimes we just do it all by ourselves, And that's either going to be through unwise decisions, maybe you didn't mean to, didn't know better, but you made the choice, or our willful, stubborn, sinful uh, rebellion. And it creates chaos for us. So we talked about the need to confront the chaos head on. Take responsibility for your part or you're never going to get better and the crisis won't get better. First of all, what's my part in it? What choice did I make that could have caused this to come about? Have any of you but me ever created your own little hurricane, your own little storm? I couldn't blame the devil. Remember there was a comedian, you say the devil made me do it. No, he didn't make me do it. I didn't need his help at all. I had enough flesh and rebellion in me to do it all by myself. Yeah, well, at least I'm honest, okay? So uh, you, you got to confront it head on, ask the right questions, and listening to the right people for counsel. And then third, take the right steps in follow-up. And you're going to minimize the chaos and avoid a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it, and it'll be shorter in duration if you'll go back and get that CD or podcast and, and listen to three, three good points that we made. Now, this morning we're going to talk about confronting a different kind of chaos. That's the kind we encounter that's going on around us, not our doing, not our fault, but a result of this crazy, mixed-up, fallen world in which we all live. You personally may not be prone to chaos. I personally don't like it. Avoid it every time I can. But I can assure you the world is, and many of the people around you are involved in it. And sometimes it doesn't take much for pandemania to take over. Uh, I'm always shocked at how easy it is to panic people. That's why it's so important if you lead in a home, if you lead in a business, if you lead in a class or a ministry, and God help us in government, watch your words. They can create pandemania by saying the wrong thing. So this morning I want to talk to you about, you know, dealing with the chaos around us, the chaos that occurs in situations you don't have actual control of. How do you stand strong? Well, years ago, 
a guy named Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem that we had to memorize when I was in middle school. The poem sums up standing strong mentality. Now, for your sake, I won't recite the entire poem, but a couple of the lines some of you just might remember. He said, if you can keep your head when everybody around you is losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and what's more, you'll be a man, my son. Well, along comes humorous Jean Kerr, who wrote, please don't eat the daisies. She's kind of funny. She had her own take on this poem. Here's what she said. If you can keep your head when everybody around you is losing theirs, it's just possible you haven't grasped the situation. (laughs) That could be true. Her version actually might be more accurate. But this morning, let me talk to you about how to understand the situation, how to respond to the chaos around us, and how to keep your head on straight when nobody else has a clue about what to do. We'll look at a story in Acts 27 about the Apostle Paul. He's in a ship in the middle of a storm in the Mediterranean, and everybody around him is losing their mind, while he is standing strong in the midst of it all. The events of this story parallel the steps we need to take in order to respond currently to the chaos we're encountering. So let's take a few more moments and see what the story has to say to all of us today. Acts 27 begins with Paul sailing for Italy. Now, when you're reading through the book of Acts, you notice that in chapter 27, the pronouns switch from he to we. So it is assumed Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, is along with Paul for the ride, one I bet he wished he missed. When when Paul got on the boat, his life was already chaotic. He was on his way to Rome to stand trial before Caesar and quite possibly be sentenced to death. So this chaos in Paul's life was not of his own doing, other than the fact he had been faithful to preach the good news, the gospel, as he was told to do. And so the chaos in Paul's life was the result of a fallen world in which Paul lived and a government hostile to the teachings of Jesus Christ, which which we have scattered throughout America in many governments and states, very hostile to Jesus Christ or Christianity. After he boarded this final ship, things went from bad to worse. You've been in been a situation like that? Well, it can't get any, any worse. Oh, yeah, it can. <laughs> can't get a lot worse. And it went from bad to worse because the ship had 276 people on it. That's a lot of people on a boat back then, right? Plus cargo, and it ran into bad weather. And we'll see that no one really knew how to respond to this thing until Paul finally stepped up. So as we work through the story, there's three observations about chaotic situations that I want to draw your attention to. And you need to see them if you want to be the kind of a person who can stand strong in a culture of chaos. If you want to be the one who keeps their head on straight when everybody else is losing theirs, a couple of maybe three or four general truths to keep in mind. The first one to remember is that when things get chaotic, kind of out of control, the chaos will never fix itself. First of all, I know that. The chaos is not going to fix itself, neither can you count on others to do it for you. Problems rarely go away on their own. In fact, if unattended, they usually get worse. 
My grandfather, you probably bored hearing me say it, used to say, Ricky, bad will never get better longer. Right? You got a problem, deal with it soon. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, because sentence against an evil work is not quickly executed, it gets worse. The second law of thermodynamics says that things left to themselves go from order to disorder. So our problem certainly will fit in that category. Left unattended, your chaos is going to get worse. It's like your body, your yard, your car, your marriage. If you don't attend to it, it won't get better or stay the same. It will tend to go into disorder. Are you shocked? (laughs) You got to keep things up. You ever heard people say, boy, he's let his house really go down, or he's let his yard really go down. I won't, that's to someone in here, but I won't say who. You got to de-weed it and de-fire ant it and give it some fertilizer occasionally and some weed killer. You, people say, what a pretty yard. Yeah, and you don't know how much work and money it took to keep it this way. And you could have a good marriage today or the next few months, and then all of a sudden it slips out of, out of attention because you don't give it any attention. And next thing we know, oh, they broke up. Oh, they're getting a divorce. They've gone separate ways. So you've got to give it regular. You can't take anything for granted long. Okay, I think I made my point. Things left to themselves get worse. They don't get better. So as the ship sailed into the storm... They couldn't just cross their fingers and hope the storm wouldn't do what a storm like that will do. They needed a plan, and they needed to take action, but they just weren't willing to do it. So as the ship sailed into troubled waters, Paul warned them in verse 10, boys, this is going to be disastrous. He wanted them to put the brakes on and wait out the storm and spend winter there where they were because the waters were considered unnavigable in the late fall and early winter months. Luke then goes on to write in verse 11. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot of the ship and the owner of the ship. And their advice was to move on. Go ahead. Forget what Paul said. There are three phrases in this part of the story that kind of jump out at me. One phrase is verse 9. Much time had been lost. And that's what chaos does. It's the ultimate time killer. Until you find a way to confront the chaos, you just keep losing time. Another phrase is in verse 15. The ship was caught by the storm, could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. How many times have we been in the same situation? We just give up, give way to the problem, and let it drive us along. Too tired to fight back, too discouraged to resist. We just let the situation drive us along. Little Doris Day, K say Ra, say Ra, whatever will be, will be. Who told you that? You didn't get that in the Bible. I'll eat the page. That's nonsense. You got a part in this. You can change the course of something that's happened. You can at least have some effect over it. Another phrase that jumps out is verse 12. Paul had, had told the leaders of the ship what they needed to do, and here's what Luke writes. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided we should sail on. There are certain situations, especially crisis situations, when the majority is the last group you want to listen to. The the mentality of the majority rarely moves you in the decision of wise decision making. Rarely. Sometimes, but rarely, right? 
A few years ago, I worked with a church that was on the verge of choosing a new leader. Their church government was such that the pastors are chosen by majority vote. Oh, that's cute. That, that must be in the Bible, huh? Well, welcome to America. It, it had come down to two options, a 32-year-old hotshot and a 50-year-old with a long decades history of proven ministry. So a couple of the leaders in the church said, we got big red flags here. This young man is not ready for the major responsibility we're asking him to take. We need a more seasoned veteran with proven experience to lead our church into the future. But the majority didn't agree. They, they said this young hotshot's going to bring in younger members. He's more dynamic. He's a visionary, and that's what we want. And that's who they got. Two years later, the church was broke, pews were empty, and the hotshot wasn't even there, no longer in ministry because of a major scandal. The fact is that age had nothing to do with it. The problem was that the majority could not see the red flags that a few key leaders could see, and they weren't willing to listen. Doesn't the Bible say in the multitude of counsel there's safety? I hope, I hope you never lose the ability to listen. Now, it might not be right, but you need to listen. God will use that sometimes to save your life. Listen. And here's the problem. The more successful you become, the less you listen. Well, I know what. I'm, I've made good choices. I'm successful. What do you know I couldn't know? A lot sometimes. You know, men, if your wife ever says, I think that girl's hitting on you. Don't say, oh, you're just imagining things. God gave her the ability to spot a UFO, an unidentified female object. What I have to lower myself to to get a response for some of you is just very discouraging. I'm saying that there will be times when you have to stand alone against the tide of public opinion and choose to do what you know is right rather than whatever body else the majority thinks is right for the moment. Chaos will never fix itself. And most of the time, you can't count on they, whoever they are, to fix it for you. So what can you do? Here's the next observation. Number two, acknowledge God is in control of even the most out-of-control situations. God is not the author of chaos. He's the redeemer of chaos. God is not the author of dis disorder or destruction. He's the redeemer of disorder and destruction. People say, well, what about the storm? Did God create those storms to punish people? Now, that's probably how they would have explained it in the Middle Ages, but I hope we are smarter than that today because understanding jet streams and seasons and global weather conditions that have a major impact on shifting cold fronts and warm fronts and heating in the ocean, etc. And let me say this. Sometimes the devil didn't do it. Sometimes God didn't do it. Sometimes you just did it. And you want to blame the devil. Don't do that. Uh, here's what Christians do that irks me. No, remember when Katrina hit New Orleans? You know, Sin City. New, oh, my God, New Orleans. Yeah, right. Well, it, did it ever occur to you they built the city below sea level? Uh, what, 20 feet, something like that, below sea level? Uh, a, a, a terrible broken down infrastructure? No maintenance on the dikes? 
and they had dodged previously 14 hurricanes. They had dodged them. And then one hits. Kind of like me standing out in I-35 and 14, 18 wheelers go by. And finally, one of them, bam, hits me. Well, God really took Ricky out. Yeah, he really judged him. No, he didn't judge me. I just made a stupid choice and finally got hit by one. That, that happens all the time. Let me tell you something. God poured out his wrath and judgment on Christ. It says, and the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took the judgment of the world. Now we're responsible either for satanic attack or stupid choices. God's not judging anybody. There is chastisement, but no judgment on that, even nations. But when you make foolish choices, there's going to be consequences to pay for that. So don't ever say, well, God's judging him. God, no, God's already judged him at the cross. Already. Already. The judgment will come after you die if you don't know Jesus. But in today's story, we see how Paul reminded his fellow passengers that regardless of how things may appear on the surface, God is still in control. When things were at their worst, God gave a word to Paul. He passed it on to the crew. In verse 25, he says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as God told me. A few later uh, in verses 35, he says, after he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. The best thing you can do in the midst of an out-of-control situation is always to remember above and beyond God is still in control. He has never abandoned control of the earth and the world. I'm going to give you scripture just a minute. His being in control does not mean I won't face hard times or that we will never encounter chaos. In this world, you will have tribulation. It means that in spite of the disorder around me, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Isaiah 59, verse 1. More times than I can count, I've had to stop in the middle of a momentary panic and remind myself who's really in control of this situation. When the economy in 08 tanked and every Body was getting foreclosed on. People were losing their homes. Uh, giving went down 40%. I, I remember feeling that momentary kind of a panic, but I also remember a quick recovery that God was in control. God didn't cause it, but God can use it, and God was still in control. And Philippians 1, 6, that which I have begun in you, I will perform it till Jesus. So if you're 100 years old and you got promised a baby, you're going to have the baby. If God made a promise in your life and a purpose for it, circumstances won't matter, won't change it. He's still, it might be longer than you thought, might be messier than you thought, but it will get done. And I have to remind myself he's in control. And he was, and he brought us through it. And he's going to bring you through this. Buckle up, buttercup. Come on, really, cheer yourself up a little bit. So God's message to the Apostle Paul during the storm was, you're going to get through this. Yeah. And folks, we are too. Yeah. And you are too. Yeah. I'm sorry you're seasick. It may be messy. It may be very inconvenient. But it's what happens, the finish of this deal. We can still finish strong, and we will. Yeah. The 18th century evangelist George Whitfield wrote this. We are immortal until our work on earth is done. Are you aware the enemy can't take you out until God's finished with you? If I'm in the will of God, enemy can attack me, he can delay me, he can even hurt me, but he can't take me out until God's work is finished. That gives me boldness. 
COVID is not my threat. It's an inconvenience, but it's not my threat. Getting run over by some of you in the parking lot, that's a threat. I'm teasing. So God's in control even in the most out-of-control situations. So if you want to learn to keep your head, keep your mind together, if you want to learn how to stand strong, remind yourself that every single day, every moment of every day when you tend to panic. Listen to Daniel chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then God praised, then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings. He raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Wow. Are you aware of that? Now, even bad ones God can use to accomplish His eternal purpose. He controls the times and the seasons. Well, I don't like this season. I'm sorry. He's still in control, right? And he deposes leaders and raises others up. He's still in control. Don't panic so easy. Don't give up so quick, right? He know, if he's got every hair on your head numbered, then he knows exactly the mess you're in at the moment, the job you need, the, the solution you need to a problem whatever it may be. The first two observations from this story are that chaos is not going to fix itself, and the majority won't make it any better, but God is still in control, and He can redeem you in your chaos. So where does that lead us? The key to standing strong in a culture of chaos is number three, take charge whenever, wherever you can. That's your human intervention. After the boat had taken a beating in the storm and they had thrown cargo overboard, and they had gone two weeks without taking a bite of food, seasick, and it had gotten to the point in verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. At this point, Paul spoke up once again saying, gentlemen, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. You should have listened to me before, and you didn't. Maybe this time you will. You may not be able to still the storm as it squalls around you. You may not be able to change the tide of public opinion or change the economy or control what some political leaders might do. You may not even be able to control what your wife or your kids or your boss or your customers might do, but you can control what you do. And you can speak the voice of leadership and set the example of leadership to everybody around you. There's another phrase in this text that really jumps out at me, verse 33. Paul says, for the last 14 days, you have been in constant suspense. Now, a lot of you know what that's like, and it's lasted a lot longer than 14 days. That's what chaos creates, a nagging, never-ending sense of not knowing. Yeah. When's it going to quit? When's it going to be? When are we going to get back to normal? You ain't never getting back to normal. The scale moved. It'll be a new normal. It's a new normal already. What are you talking about? Church is a new normal. Stores and businesses are a new normal. I flew on an airline first time in six months, a new normal. <laughs> there was nobody in the terminal, <laughs> only at my gate. And they gave me a snack pack, which was a little thing, a little bitty thing of peanuts and a little bitty micro thing of water in a sealed, so hermetically sealed pack. Welcome aboard, flight 1433. 
American Airlines. I thought, well, got another new normal. Yeah, after 9-11, I was in line at an airport, the guy behind me, a business guy dressed all up, said, I'll be glad when we get back to normal. I said, this is normal now. Now, many of you know that fly, this, that, it, that became the norm. Yeah, and I'm just saying, you're going to have to stay flexible and adjust, okay? Things never go quite back to normal, new normal. It has some old, but it'll have some new. So based on what takes place in this story, three things I want to advise you to do. Number one, take care of yourself. That's what Paul said. Take care of yourself. Verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. The crisis had been going on for two weeks. It wasn't over yet. The best thing they could do at this moment was to tend to themselves. You can't help somebody if you're in a mess. On an airplane, they say, in the unlikely event of depressurization, put your mask on first before you assist someone beside you. So Paul told them to eat. And oftentimes, the first thing people do when they have a personal crisis is stop taking care of themselves. Either they don't eat or they stuff themselves with unhealthy food. Either they sleep all day, they don't sleep at all. Either they completely withdraw emotionally or they throw, blow up, not throw up, at, at every little thing, ticks them off. Or they try to medicate the chaos with alcohol, drugs, food, shopping, or any number of other things. No. If there's chaos going around you and you're in a constant state of not knowing what's going to happen next, first word, take care of yourself. Eat right. Go to sleep. Take a walk every day. A little exercise. Maybe twice a day. Those three things will help you maintain emotional equilibrium. Some of you need to get out of that egg-stained nightgown, get your hair fixed, put on some makeup, and go out for a walk. Go out and exercise. Don't get sloppy, complacent, and passive. Don't neglect yourself and put on 20 pounds because you've been quarantined. Don't do that. Stay alert. Work out. Exercise. Prepare your meals. Watch what you're eating. Stay upbeat. Take care of your body, yourself. I can't be a help to you if I'm all beat up and discouraged and depressed and sick and not well. I take care of myself. I haven't changed my principles since we started this thing. We still do the same thing the same way as best we can. I don't go to the gym, but I got a little workout room at the house, and we do that every day. We still eat right, right? (laughs) All right, some of you... Some of you need to put on some makeup, get rid of your mask, come out. Okay, second, let me encourage you to do this in a chaos. Lighten your load. Lighten your load. Verse 38, when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Well, they don't need it anymore. Instead, they needed the ship to be lighter so they could get closer to shore without striking the bottom. And there's something about a crisis that helps us define what really matters, and what we really need, and what we don't. In order to stand strong, there's times when it's necessary to divest yourself of unnecessary clutter and unnecessary baggage. All of us have some amount of clutter in our lives. Maybe it's a friendship or a relationship not leading you in a good direction. Maybe it's a financial obligation draining your resources. Maybe we're wasting our time in unproductive areas, which prevents us from doing what really matters. So if you're in a crisis, there may be activities you go to and you're you're, you, you've been hit with a little panic and chaos, get rid of financial burdens you don't need. You can always go back to them. 
You can always buy another boat. You can always uh, join the, the Lions Club, the Rotary, or the PTA. But right now in the crisis, you need to strip her down and lighten the load. You can go further if you'll drop the load. If I fly a heavily laden airplane, I won't be able to go as far. I'll use more fuel because of my weight, and I won't be able to fly as high. If you've got a pickup truck and you hook a, a, a trailer to it, you're going to get six miles a gallon, and you're not going to be able to go. You're going to use more fuel and go less far because of the weight. So some of you, the Bible says, lay aside every weight. Now, it's not sin to have it. It's just bad on you if you're in a crisis because your mind has, I've got to go to this. I've got to take care of this. Uh, maybe the kids are in 14 different activities. Chop it down because your sanity and your peace and your focus is more important at the moment in the crisis than those activities. Or something you're spending money on, you don't need to be spending money on. You can go spend it later when things get back to a calm. Does that make sense? My goodness, don't add stress, de-stress, de-stress. Lighten your load. Don't carry on so much luggage. I watch people get on the plane, looks like they got their mother-in-law in a bag. Takes two men to lift it up. And I'm thinking, I don't want to live that way. So lighten that load, liquidate, strip it down. What do a, what a long-distance runners do? They strip down. They even have a jeweler file the bottom of their shoes to lessen weight because after 15 miles, every ounce weighs a pound. They don't wear heavy clothes to run, and so you can't run a long marathon if you're going to be heavy. Strip her down. Tell me, honey, is anybody here? Okay. I can't control the elements of the storm around me, but I can strengthen my position when I lighten the load. And not right? We're still, we, 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 we've got no unnecessary baggage. We have no unnecessary debt. We're healthy as a horse. We work out. I don't like it any more than you like it, but I have to deal with it until the storm settles. And it will settle. But I suggest it might be longer than you think. So you want to be prepared for the long haul. Look at your life and ask yourself, what do I really need? What really matters most? What can I do without? Lighten your load and let go of clutter. And third, get ready to do your part. Many times believers want God to come into a difficult situation, make everything right without any effort on our part, and that's not going to happen. We want God to rescue us from the boat, drop us safely on shore, and never let us be inconvenienced. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, but that's not the way it works most of the time. Most of the time, it works this way, and it worked the way it did in this ship in Acts 27. The boat's approaching the storm, verse 41. The ship struck a sandbar, ran aground, the bow stuck fast, it wouldn't move, and the stern, the rear of the ship, was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. They were close, but still a couple of hundred yards away, still in a raging storm, still danger. So what did they do? Luke says to the centurion, verse 43, he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. Then the rest were to get there on planks or other pieces of the ship. This way, everybody reached land safely. When you're in the midst of chaos, there are times you'll need to swim with all your might, and there are times you'll need to hang on to something with all your might, but you need to do that so you can get to shore. God doesn't come to your life like a butler drawing your bath, brewing your coffee, ironing your clothes, helping you slip on your slippers. 
That's not the role he plays in your life. He does what you can't do. That, that's the important. Remember when the angel came to let Peter out of prison? He, he slew all the guards and put them to sleep. He opened the jail door. And then he said to Paul, get up. Put your shoes on. Tie your laces. Get dressed. The angel didn't wake him up all dressed. The angel made him do something, right? And he had to walk out. The angel didn't carry him. You've got human responsibility to a part. God can get you through any chaotic situation, and you can be sure He will, because you are immortal until your work on earth is done. But you can be sure that in order to get through the chaos, you're going to have to have some skin in the game. You're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to swim. You're going to have to grab some driftwood and dog paddle that final 200 yards to shore. So let's close. Those who stand strong in the culture of chaos are those who refuse to surrender to the chaos. The Bible says resist the devil. You never get in a passive stance when you're in a war. They won't just give up and, and give way to the storm. They're not going to do it, and they're not going to drift along. I'm not going to drift. And although there may be a momentary moment where I'm a victim of a circumstance, I refuse to remain a victim of any kind for any time because they know, and I know, God's in control. They know he'll see them through whatever might come their way. Ah, it's ugly, but you'll get through it. For this reason, even during an extended season of not knowing, those who stand strong are able to say, I am prepared to do my part. I will take care of myself. I will lighten my load where I can lighten my load. I'll swim as far as I can humanly possible. And when I can't swim anymore, I'll hang on to God's promises that he will see me through. You talk about good driftwood, the promises of God is what I hold on to after I've done all I can do, exhausted all my ability, and now I hang on to God's promises because they're eternal, they're immutable, they will never change and will never fail you. You have no control over the chaos around you, but you have control over you. Whenever you, wherever you can make a leadership choice, set a leadership example, and be willing to do your part until God intervenes. And He will intervene, but He expects you to do your part. And for some of you, it may show in your marriage, your relationships, or your career where you're weak. And sometimes it's not your fault at all. Maybe the, this problem has caused businesses to downsize, and maybe people have been laid off or lost a job. God's still in control of your life. I've, tell, I've told that to so many people and ours, even in the worst of times and when it looked like foreclosure might happen to me and several other friends that had just gotten into a major loan. But we claim God's promises. We quoted them every week here in this church. We quoted them at home in the car. Every time fear would come, we would grab a plank, God's word, and shout it in the devil's ear. And you need to do the same thing. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. But you have to do your part. And for some of you, lighten the load, okay? And keep renewing your mind that God is still in control. I don't care what happens in this country, in the chaos we're in, God is in control. Fauci's not in control. Whatever your view is, mine's not good. But whatever your view is, he's not in control. Uh, the president's not in control. The Congress is not. Not actually in control. If God hiccups, you're finished. God puts up and God pulls down. God has the times and the seasons in his hands.
And God doesn't need a nice time to move. Genesis 1 says, And chaos, darkness was upon the earth, and the Spirit of God moved. In the middle of darkness and chaos, the Spirit of God can move anywhere, anytime. And He can move for you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.